0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Quote that we've been centering around um, for this series is a Craig Rochelle, Pastor Craig Rochelle quote that says, Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up there on purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up there on purpose. And so, in the first um, couple of weeks, we looked at the Spirit's prompting that actually the Holy Spirit, who is God, uh, still speaks that He actually speaks to us, bless you, and um, He still speaks to us and He uh, still invites us on a journey with Him and that He'll um, kind of birth something in our hearts. And what we're looking for there is a resonance where what He's saying and the desires of our heart kind of come together and there's this amplification, if you will, um, where all of a sudden things start to go, oh wow, things are aligning, we're looking for that in our lives. But what we can also expect is a certain uncertainty. We might get a hint, we might get a nudge, we might get um, a thought, but we can expect that we have no idea how to get there. That happens all through the Bible. Someone has a thought, someone has a prompting, and they're like, well, I have no idea, or a dream or a vision, and they think, well, I actually have no idea how that will come to pass. That is certain uncertainty. Uncertainty is certain. And then we looked at building in capacity, that we assess the now with honest humility, that we steward the now uh, with something else that, rhymes with humility that we um also we take next steps courageously and diligently and then last week we looked at predictable resistance predictable resistance which is simply that we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes you finding out your purpose in God and aligning with that and spending your life pursuing that is not what the enemy wants if God is good then the enemy is bad if, if there is good, then there is also the presence of evil. And so if there's a presence of evil, then, then that evil doesn't want good to triumph. However, the Bible tells us good has already triumphed. We are the winners. We've just got to come into line with that. But at the same time, we expect resistance. We expect that there is going to be a derailment to the plans that we have in our lives. Anyone ever experienced that? Any kind of resistance in their lives? Yeah, few people have. Okay. So what we're talking about this week, Oh, also midweek, we looked at our past experiences. We did like a timeline of our past experiences. We looked at our core values and we looked at our gifts that we've been given. And so that's all still available on the app and online and in the Dropbox if you want to access that. So this week, we're looking at uncommon clarity. This is the last in the series And the hope is that there's a point, maybe not now, maybe not today, but sometime in the future where things just click in and there's this moment of clarity of this is what I'm meant to be spending my life doing. Now, maybe you've already had that and you need clarity for this season because it's a new season for you and you're not sure how to walk in this season with the purpose that you previously knew. Or maybe you didn't have a purpose and you need a purpose for this season that you're confronting right now. Or maybe you've got a vague idea, but there's some areas of your life that you need a very definitive next step in. And you're like, okay, I need to know what to do there. Well, we're believing that you will come into that today. Clarity is defined as a clearness or lucidity as to perception or understanding, freedom from indistinctness or ambiguity. Do you ever read the definition of something and then need to look up the words that are in the definition? (laughs) So essentially what it is, it's just a clearness... And and it's things dropping into place, and all of a sudden there's not that doubt there anymore. There's not that toing and froing. It's like the all the ambiguity that, which simply means that the stuff that has you toing and froing seems to just fall into place. It's this awesome kind of moment. Where do you need clarity? Where do you need clarity today? I want you to hold that. We're going to pray, and we'll continue. Lord, as people right now identify where they need clarity. I pray, Lord, that you would quicken to their hearts your peace, your next steps. Lord, beyond anything I say today, that they would hear your voice telling them, this is the way, walk in it. And Lord, they would begin to take those next steps courageously and diligently in Jesus' name. Amen. Our verse passage for today is Acts 20, verse 22 to 24. This is Paul speaking. Um, heading towards the end of his life here on earth. And he says this, and now compelled by the Spirit, so that's number one, the Spirit's prompting, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. That's that certain uncertainty. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. There's that predictable resistance. Verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I pray that we would all find something that we go, you know what, I don't care about the money. I don't care about um, being Insta-famous, which I know is front of mind for a whole lot of you. But I don't care about anything else. I just wanna do God's will for my life, no matter what. No matter what, you can take anything, but don't take my purpose. Don't take what God wants for my life. A purpose big enough to give your life to, a purpose clear enough to articulate in a sentence like that. The problem is there's no guaranteed path, darn it, to uncommon clarity. There's no tick these five boxes, take these four steps and you will have uncommon clarity. The path to uncommon clarity is unique to all of us. Think about Paul's life for a moment. Day one, well, day zero, he's breathing out murderous threats to God's people. He is literally killing people on behalf of the Jews and the establishment because they believe in Jesus Christ. That's day zero. Day one, he gets knocked off his donkey on a road and gets blinded by light and a visitation from Jesus himself saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Day four, after being blind for three days, he gets prayed for by Ananias, he gets prophesied over, he gets given the Word of God, saying that you will preach the Gospel. He gets that Word. And then the author of the book of Acts, whose name is Luke, spends 16 verses, 16 verses talking about the next 14 years of Paul's life. We don't know anything else beyond those 16 verses of what Paul was doing at that time. And then He spends 16 chapters talking about the next 10 years of Paul's life. So there's a whole lot in between the moment of uncommon clarity and the moment that Jesus comes and speaks to Paul. And maybe you're the same. Maybe you've been a Christian. Maybe you've decided to follow Jesus. And you're still like, I have no idea, Bron. I don't know. I kind of had a sense at the start, but it doesn't seem like it's coming to pass. It's been 14 years and I don't know what's going to happen next. Maybe you're exactly like Paul. Maybe you haven't made that decision yet and you're, you're ready to make that decision and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus this morning. But even when he says this statement, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. It's still, he gets to Jerusalem pretty quickly. He then spends three years on his way to Rome in different places And then it's five to seven years before he actually gives his life like he believes that he's going to. Uncommon clarity when he gets that, that doesn't equal immediate fulfilment of what happens. But there is that aha moment of I could spend my life pursuing this. And that's what we want, that kind of something on the inside. So if we're going with our six examples that we've been looking at every week, we're going to look at Esther And the fact that she was living in the palace, she had a predecessor called Queen Vashti. And Queen Vashti, which I'm sure is very Australian way of saying that, but Queen Vashti had been, um, you know, put aside. She'd been done away with uh, because she didn't do what the king wanted her to do. And so in comes to the fray Esther. And and the Bible says, like we kind of, romanticise the story of Esther in some ways. Oh, she got to be the queen and how amazing. She's living in a, in a harem and she hasn't been called on for 30 days to the king. So she's like, she's objectified to the max. She And when the message comes to her from her uncle Mordecai to say the king and his mate Haman have got a plan to annihilate the Jews, she says, well, I don't know what you want me to do about it. I can't go and see the king because That's not allowed. And he hasn't called me. It's not like I'm in favor with him. He hasn't called for me for 30 days. But she comes to this point of uncommon clarity. In Esther chapter 3, verse 16, it says this Go, talking to Mordecai, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She has this uncommon clarity that, okay, I'm here for this moment and I'll go and do what I need to do. And if that's the end of it, that's the end of it. For Joseph, he has this dream. He tells his brothers, The next thing is the predictable resistance of and his brothers hated him all the more. Anyone got brothers like that? If you told them that they would bow down to you, all of a sudden they would hate you all the more. I have one. Um, this, This resistance, epic resistance in that they sell him into slavery make money off him and he gets sent to a foreign country, he spends years in this process of waiting and, and, and having light at the end of the tunnel and then getting thrown into prison and having light at the end of the tunnel because he interprets some dreams and they say, we'll remember you before the king and then it doesn't happen. He's got this constant hope and no hope. I wonder if that's been your journey in pursuit of purpose where you've kind of grasped it and you thought this door's about to open and bang, it seems to close back shut. I think of you, Brucie, and your, your uncommon clarity around the nation that you're going to and then bang COVID and every door seems to shut. But what you've got to know about Bruce is that even though that's where he's going and that's where he's headed and even though the doors seem to close, he was like, okay, I'll assess the now with honesty and humility. I can't get there. Okay, well, what do I do now? I'm going to steward the now to my fullest ability. And he begins to learn Hindi. What happens while well, he begins to learn Hindi? He starts leading Hindi people to Jesus because that's how you steward the now to your fullest ability. Thank you, Bruce. Genesis chapter 50, verse 18 to 20. This is Joseph, back to Joseph. There's been a famine in the land. His brothers come. It says this, His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. Joseph looked at them, bowed down before him and said, ha, remember that dream I told you about? Sucko, people. You, my brothers, you said that you hated me all the more, sold me into slavery. Look at you now. Grovel, 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 grovel. No, that is not what he said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What what amazing grace that Joseph showed in that moment. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph had this moment of uncommon clarity where he realised it wasn't about him and then bowing down to him. And it wasn't about them and their ill treatment of him. It was about God and it was about people. And he has this moment of uncommon clarity. He's like, I know what this happened for. I know what this is all for. I know what I'm here for. Samuel. God says, I'm about to do a shocking thing in all of Israel. Samuel's just a boy. He's never heard of anything before, but he had been in the temple and he had been with Eli, who was the priest at the time, and Eli's sons who were just doing whatever they wanted. So he had that past experience of what it looked like to not obey God. And he's looking at that going, that does not go well for people. When you have a foot in both camp and you say that you're the priest but actually you're getting up to whatever or if you don't discipline your children, you just let them do whatever they like, you don't remind them of the goodness of God. It's like, I see where that trajectory takes you to. And so he hears God as just a boy about to do a shocking thing. He's got no idea. He's got so much uncertainty but he's got these past experiences. He's got these core values that have birthed within him. And then 1 Samuel 3, 19 to 21 says this The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, recognized that Samuel was attested to as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So Samuel just has God keeping on speaking and speaking to him, and he's getting more and more clarity around what God is saying that the whole nation attests to what. What is happening there? It's uncommon clarity. Nehemiah 2 verse 20. He's another guy that we looked at as an example. I answered them by saying at the wall, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. He's given them what for but at the same time he's got uncommon clarity he's had the resources come he's had the king's favor come he's had his heart's desire line up and he said to the people around him God's going to do this you watch God is going to do this uncommon clarity so what about us for you as you kind of do an inventory as you kind of take stock is the spirits prompting on your life clear about this or vague is that certain uncertainty that you have, has that caused you to balk and you've kind of retreated a little bit? Or has it refined in you your purpose? That, that building in capacity, has it enabled you to move forward? Has it positioned you for what's next? Or have you just gone, I just don't have the capacity to do this? That, that resistance, have you allowed that resistance that's coming against you to get stuff out of you? that can't be there if you to pursue everything that God has for you. You see, it's like what Joseph said. He says, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. And what the enemy intends for harm in your life, God will use for good. He'll use it to get all the stuff out of you that shouldn't be there, that wouldn't allow your character to go to where it needs to be next. He'll allow the enemy to sift you, like he said, like Peter, so that it can get all the gunk that doesn't need to be there. So what do we do to get this uncommon clarity? Well, first a few things just to note about uncommon clarity. Uncommon clarity can occur in a moment. And uncommon clarity can occur over time. Or it can be both. You can get a sense in a moment and then a long walking out of that like Paul. And you come to it. Or you can have it in a moment. Or it can just be a long outworking. There's no set path to it. Number two... It'll light up the path or it'll light up the next step. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And sometimes the word that God gives us, whether His revealed word that we have in our hands or His word to us about a matter, His Rima word, it might light up like a path, like a yellow brick road all the way to Oz. It'll just and you're like, oh man, that's the plan, there's the strategy, here we go. Or it'll be a lamp to our feet. And all you've got is the next step. You've got nothing else. You don't know what's beyond that. All you've got is a light enough to take the next step. Don't despise either. If there's a path that's lit up, that's great. But if there's a light for your next step, just take that next step and that's all you need to do to walk into clarity. Number three about uncommon clarity is it's little by little. Jesus said that he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And sometimes we have to prove ourselves in the little in order to be entrusted with the much. One of my favourite stories about this is Joyce Meyer. She, um, she's a weapon. She's, um, she's a, a female preacher when there were no female preachers. God gave her, well, not known female preachers. God gave her a masculine voice. She says this, I'm not teasing her. And, um, and she says that it's because she was on the radio and, uh, and, and men would listen to her because they didn't know she was a woman. So <clears throat> it was um, really great <laughs> in that way, at least. Um, but also she was able, to, she, she had a sense that God had a call on her life. And he said this to her, you're going to preach in the north, the south, the east and the west. And that's true. She's gone all around the globe, her television ministry all around the globe. She's affected every corner of the globe. But what she did when he said that, she went, okay, north, south, east and west. Right. I better start a connect group in the north of the city, the east of the city, the south of the city, and the west of the city. And 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 she just started doing. She just took her next step. Now, I don't even know if God said that to her. But if I was God, I'm not, by the way, but if I was. And so I said to someone, um, look, uh, or or, or they said, oh God, you're saying this. And I'm like, oh, not really. But they went and acted on it straight away. I'm like, there's a person who's going to act when I speak. It would be like a searchlight from heaven that if they believe that God is speaking, they're onto it and they're doing it and moving out in it. And so I'd be like, oh, I'm going to work with that person. But regardless, I think that she actually did hear from God. And she went to the north, east, south of the city and now has gone all over the world, faithful in little and faithful in much. Listen to this verse from Exodus chapter 23, verse 30. It's after God speaks to the people and He says, you won't drive out all your enemies in a single year. But He says this, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. He's saying, I can't give it to you all at once. You won't be able to handle it, but I can give it to you little by little. And as it relates to uncommon clarity, as we steward the little that we've been given, then He'll give us a little bit more to be faithful with. And as we're faithful with that, He gives us a little bit more to be faithful with. It's not works-based. It's not that we get better and that we're, he, you know, that now we're able to because we did the right thing. It's not that. And yet somehow it is that. It's always faith and works. It's always His grace and it's us coming into line with that. So over, a moment over time or both, the path or the next step and little by little. So if we're up for that process, if we're up for that process, then this is what it requires. You see, Paul was in Tarsus or thereabouts for 14 years. 14 years and we don't hear from him. You see, Paul understood that God can work through him in an instant. But what God needs to do in him takes time. And you might be looking at something and going, why is this taking so long? I really want to do this, God. and I want to be, you know, resourcing in this way. And I've got a heart for this. God can do that in a second. But what He needs to do in you takes time and unfortunately is a lot harder. (laughs) Anyone testify? Yeah. He's got to get that stuff out of you. And He will take His time to do it if He needs to. Because He wants to be able to let you loose when He lets you loose. He wants to be able to say, yep, they're right to go. But we need to have the right root system in place. We need to grow down before we can rise up. 14 years Paul spent the backside of nowhere and then his life goes crazy. So what are some common things in all these? Well, Saul before he became Paul, in those three days, he fasted and prayed. Ananias, who was ready to pray with him, he fast, He was fasting and praying. That's when God spoke to him. Esther called the people to fast and pray. All through Scripture, we see instances where people are fasting and praying. You might be like, Brian, isn't fasting an Old Testament thing? Well, actually, the Bible says that Jesus said that when the bridegroom is with you, um, that you don't fast. He's talking about his disciples. But when he leaves, then you do fast. So he actually left, went to heaven. And now we're left. And so, yes, we should be fasting. In that same passage, he talks about when you pray, should we stop? Was that praying just for them? No, we should still be praying. So we can fast and pray. We've just come through a season of fasting and praying. And uh, if you want any information about that, there's still some up on the website, but you can come and speak to me. But I'm just asking the question of, like, we want our purpose desperately. and, And sometimes we can even get a little bit, at odds with God when like I just don't know what it is why hasn't God told me but have we done the hard work not that we are forcing God's hand that's not how it works but are we up for it are we up for it have we ever fasted and prayed and asked God for this number two there's only three and then we're done is walk in the known what has God told you to do what has God told you to do you can flick open your Bible and go to the Great Commission where he said, go into all the world and make disciples. He's asked us to do that, to go. Maybe you could start by praying, Lord, lead me to someone, or show me someone who needs the good news today. Maybe that could be a prayer that you pray every day. Show me someone. Walk in the known. Also the great commandment, love God, love people. Who should we love? Everybody. When should we love? Always. Just going around looking for opportunities to love people. Walk in the known. You see, um, there's an analogy that that a a moving car is easier to steer than a parked one. Is that how it goes? Yep, cool. Okay. (laughs) Someone's like, yeah, well, it's true. So it must be. Um, Well, so last night we ran out of fuel. Sorry. Sorry. And uh, but we were parked in the driveway of our house, which is a little bit steep, and so Daz went and got diesel, put it in, and um, and fortunately our nephew is a mechanic because he ticked it over and it just wouldn't start, and um, and Dion was like, oh yeah, you've got to prime it, and we're like, oh yeah, that's what we thought we have got to prime it, and um, and so he you know did some things and he said, look, we're actually got to get it um, to flat ground for me to be able to have a look around in here, and so um, Benny and um, and Lockie and me and. Jamie and Daz, we all got out and pushed it up the hill and um, Bree steered it to safety. Now, if she had just been steering, that car wouldn't have moved. But because it was moving, she was able to steer it to where it needed to go. In order for you to be steered to where you need to go, sometimes you just need to get moving and God will take you to where you need to go. If we're just waiting, God, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for my purpose. Please show me my purpose. Just get moving, walk in the know, the things that you know to do and then he can steer you to where he wants you to go. And finally, look for favour and fruit. Look for favour and fruit. There's some things that you'll start doing that there's just favour on. Like, oh, wow, people respond when I do that. Look for that. Look for where there's fruit. Look for where, you know, where, where there might be um, productivity from that. Uh, that's actually part of what, how God has wired you. So look for where that effectiveness is. God has put that on you. And so as you look for it, you'll find where you're meant to go. It says there about um, Samuel that not... He let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. There was fruit from what Samuel was doing. And so people began to recognise, oh, he's a prophet. He's definitely a prophet. Just start doing and look for where... Not that you're looking for the approval of people, but you're looking for a witness of the effectiveness of what you're doing. Look for the favour and look for the fruit. Well, we've got one more midweek study on this series. We've looked at our past experiences, our... um, our core values and our spiritual gifts. We've got one more bringing it all together. So certainly get involved in that because you can do the um, backstory work and, and be ready for that this week. And uh, we, our prayer is that you would find your purpose in Jesus Christ. And that that wouldn't necessarily, that, that, that all of a sudden it's not all falling into place and the dominoes are happening but that you're walking that out and you're pursuing that because we want to get to that place, like Paul said, of however I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And Paul says, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. If you were to say, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Dash, what would it be for you? That's what we're looking for. That's what we're hoping for in Jesus' name. So let's block out distractions right now. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. I'm going to pray for you for this kind of clarity to either be birthed, if you've never had it before, or to be furthered, maybe even fulfilled this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for always speaking. Thank you that you don't just go silent on us. You don't, Jesus, when you went, you didn't just say, okay, good luck with it, guys. You said, I'll send my spirit and he'll lead you into all truth. Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you'd lead us into all truth about who you are and who we are in light of that. Lord, I pray that in fact, we would know that we have a purpose that we would believe the scripture that says we are God's workmanship created in advance to do good works that you have planned for us to do. Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for us. I pray that we'd firstly believe it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd just begin to let us know what that is. The way we're wired, the experiences that we've had both good and painful. Lord, the things that light us up, the things that get us down. Lord, I pray that you'd begin to bring that assimilation so that we can understand that that's all for a purpose. The gifts that you've given us, bring them into alignment, Lord, so that we know what we're meant to be doing. And Lord, I pray that as we discover and as we just walk out what we know to do, that that will be confirmed and confirmed and confirmed as time goes on. Let us not be slack in our waiting, Lord. Let us not just decide that, Well, I don't really know, so I'm just going to do whatever I like. But in fact, let us pursue you with everything. We pray for your enlightenment. We pray for a birthing of it for those who have never even thought about having a purpose, Lord God. We pray for a furtherance of it for people who maybe have started to have their enthusiasm wane because it seems to be taking so long. And Lord, we pray for fulfillment for people, Lord, who have been faithful in the little, in the little, in the little by little. In Jesus' name, let us know. Amen. Amen. Just let's um, just consider the question, have you even kicked off your journey with Jesus to pursue your purpose? And if you have this morning, I just ask you to begin to pray for everyone who might be in this decision-making right now. So let's close our eyes again. If you know Jesus, you've made a decision to follow Him, then you just begin to pray for people who are standing in the valley of decision, as it were, right now. And if you think to yourself, I do wanna follow Jesus, I wanna make that decision and I wanna follow Jesus, then wherever you are, wherever you're joining us from or if you're in the room, I'd love it if you could slip your hand up because I wanna pray for you. If you're like, yes, I do wanna follow Jesus. Thank you, great decision in the middle here. Is there anyone else? Thank you, great decision. Great decision up the back there. You can put your hands down, that's awesome. Is there anyone else here this morning that yes, I wanna follow Jesus? Awesome. Great decision. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I don't want to miss anyone out. So if that's you, like, yep, don't miss me out, Bron. I want you to pray for me this morning. I want to follow Jesus. Is there anyone else this morning? Great decision. Awesome decision. Thank you. Thank you. Just one more look around the room. I don't want to miss anyone out. Awesome. Great decision. You can put your hand down. God is moving in people's hearts this morning. So I'm going to pray for you. And what you can expect is this is a prayer of surrender. I'm not going to ask you to pray after me. I'm just going to pray for you. It's a prayer of surrender. And it's simply saying, Jesus, I don't want to go my own way. I want to go your way. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to be the boss of my life. And if that's you, just just mean it. As I pray, just mean it with everything in you. And we're all going to say amen together. That just means, yes, I agree. So Lord God, there are people here this morning that responded in their hearts to You. Holy Spirit, You were knocking on the door of their heart and they opened it to You. Lord, many people here this morning responded to Your love and Your heart for them and Your desire for them to, Lord, know You fully. So God, we pray that, Lord every obstacle would be removed Lord the obstacle of sin Lord we would apply Jesus sacrifice to that Lord Jesus everything is paid for all guilt can be gone all shame can be erased all fear can be gone in the name of Jesus because you have paid the price for everything that's ever gone wrong in their lives and every by choice or by not by choice Lord you have paid the price for it And so, Lord, right now, we, Lord, as it were, we give You the steering wheel of of these people's lives. And we say, Lord, take them wherever You want them to go. They are now in the passenger seat, Lord. They give You full and free reign of their life. You are the Lord and the Saviour of their life. We ask, Lord, that You'd give them clear next steps and help them to be bold about the decision they've made and to tell someone. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with these people who made this decision?